Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Psalm chapter 119. Uh, it's pretty much in the middle of your Bible, so if you just flap it open, chances are you probably land there. Um, Psalm 119, I want to give you just a, a little bit of a background. If you don't have a Bible if you, or if you don't own a Bible, we want to give you one uh, free of charge, okay? No, no strings attached. You can pick one up back there at the Guest Connection Center. Uh, if you don't think that you need a Bible or, um, or just don't understand what it's about yet, my prayer is that today's message will challenge your minds and that God will stir in your hearts uh, an understanding for the need for his word in our life. It is central to who we are as believers. And so as we get into this, I, w- I want to just um, give you a little background with, with Psalm 119. This is the longest chapter in the book of Psalms. It's the longest chapter in the, in the Bible uh, it's longer than several other entire books of the Bible. It's composed of 22 stanzas. Um, it's basically a poem. It's composed of 22 stanzas. Each stanza has eight verses in it. And each one of those verses, in the original Hebrew, the first letter of each of those verses corresponded uh, to the, uh, the, the letter of the Hebrew alphabet that that whole stanza was uh, corresponding to. So, for example, in verses 1 through 8, um, all eight of those verses in the Hebrew would have started with the letter Aleph. It's the Hebrew letter. I'm not Hebrew. I don't, don't speak it, so I'm probably mispronouncing that. But um, the second stanza, the, the next eight verses all start with the Hebrew letter Beth, and it goes through the entire Hebrew alphabet that way. So there's 22 stanzas, eight verses uh, a stanza, and they all in the Hebrew um, link up like that. It's, it's like an acrostic. And so um, we kind of lose that in the English translation uh, and, and you might have that in your Bibles. You might actually, it, it still might be broken into the stanzas. You might see the character. You might see those words and wonder, oh, were those like authors of that or what? That's the Hebrew language, okay? That's the Hebrew um, alphabet that it's following. And we have God's word in front of us. We have it available to us. We have it um, readily at our every whim, okay? We can look at it on our phones. We can have it in front of us in, in paper form. And uh, And so... Uh, this this translation that we lose over when we turn it to English doesn't really affect us as much. But if you think back to that time, most of the people in in uh, God's followers back then, they didn't have it readily available in written form, and so a lot of it was memorized and passed down orally. And so this psalm was written in a way so that uh, it would be easy to memorize and and be able to be passed down. Um, and so we're going to see. Uh, the theme of this psalm is, is not just to help God's people memorize his word, but I think there's an underlying uh, greater goal here and that the author uh, has, uh, has designed this psalm to be. And we don't know who the author is. We don't know when this was written, um, but, but we know that it was purposefully written. We know that it was carefully written. Uh, and, and I think the purpose behind it is for him to help us not just memorize God's word, but to help us see uh, and develop a deep, deep love for God's word that draws us to God and his heart, okay? And so we're going to see that come out uh, in, in, this, in this psalm. Um, I want us to get the full experience of this today. And so um, do you have your Bibles? Who has a Bible? Can you raise your hand? Awesome. Okay, I'm going to need all of you guys to stand up. And, uh, and we're going to read this out loud together, and we're just, as a church, going to repeat each stanza and memorize it together. And right now you're going, is he serious? Um, turn to your neighbor and ask him, is he serious? You, like if you're a visitor here, find, you know, something. What do they say? 
Yeah? You guys don't know me very well. I'm not, I'm not serious. We're not going to go through that like that. But listen, as uh, back then, it wouldn't have been uncommon for, for groups together, families together to read God's word out loud, to, uh, to speak it together, to memorize it together. And so maybe that could be something you could do as a family this week. Uh, it is, is in your reading plan, or it doesn't even have to be a reading plan, but just when you open God's word together, instead of simply reading it quietly to yourself, maybe you want to stand, I don't know. Uh, maybe you want to just get together with your family and read it out loud and, and let God's word uh, penetrate your ears and your heart and your minds together and get it in you that way, okay? If that's something you've never done before, I want to encourage you to just try that. Um, so we're not going to go through all of Psalm 119 this morning. Uh, it would take a long, long time. Um, but I want to look at a handful of verses from it. I want to read the first couple stanzas uh, of this psalm so that we can really kind of understand what the rest of it's about because these first two stanzas, I think, really kind of summarize the whole thing. Uh, it, it's sort of like the Elizabeth Barrett, Barrett Browning uh, poem, uh, How Do I Love Thee? Let Me Count the Ways. Anybody know that one? Yes? No? Okay. It doesn't really matter. Um, you can look it up. But this is, this is kind of uh, a biblical version of that love poem. And, and, it's, and it's from this author to God about how many different ways he loves God's word and how that draws him to a deeper love of God himself. And so you'll hear him use different words like law and testimonies and precepts and statutes, commandments, rules, word, ways, righteousness, judgments, but each one of those is referring to the word in one way or another. And so um, almost every verse in Psalm 119 includes one of these terms. And so I'm going to read these first two stanzas and talk about them. I'm going to read from the English uh, Standard Version. Uh, you can follow along in your Bible or it'll be up here on the screen. Uh, if you have one of our Bibles from the back, that's the version uh, that that'll be. So you can follow along pretty easily. So let's read verse 1. Psalm 119, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, (coughs) excuse me, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all of your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn of your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. A couple weeks ago when Pastor Dave was setting up this series, he talked about uh, how the Psalms do one of three things, or maybe all of three things, but these are the three things that he talked about. He said they illuminate the greatness of our God. They affirm his faithfulness to us in times of trouble. And then they remind us of the absolute centrality of God's word. And so in the first 16 verses of this psalm, I don't think it's very hard to, to uh, see where this psalm is going. I think it's, it's dead set 
on reminding us of the absolute centrality of God's word in our lives. And uh, in fact, the, this, this psalm isn't just uh, on its own. It refers back to Psalm 1. The first few verses of, of Psalm 119 tie into to Psalm 1. I want to read those first three verses in Psalm 1 to you. Uh, they, this is what they say. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, I want you to stay with me for a second because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go... Uh, away for a second on something that may seem like a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I promise you it's going to tie back into what we're talking about. And, and it really just opened my eyes and just kind of blew me away uh, to the point where I just wanted to share this with you because I really think that this drives home already the point uh, of the centrality of God's word. God's word. John fourteen six. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then uh, the, the first chapter of John that starts out this way. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. A little further down in verse 9, it says, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Skip down to verse 16. says, And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. This is talking about Jesus. He has made Him known. Now, we go back to John 14, verse 7, and Jesus Himself says, If you had known Me you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. So what does this mean? Let's let's just kind of break this down for a second. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the word in the flesh and he reveals God to us. He's been here since the beginning of the time and it was his mouth that spoke all of creation into being. We started uh, a reading plan in John in Hype this past week and, uh, and we had uh, one of our Hype alumni come back and kind of help get us going in that, Jordan Ricky, And he put it this way. I love it. Uh, he said that by the word of the word, all creation was spoken to being. And, and if we think about that, I, like, I can't even comprehend that completely when I really try and date my claws into that. But by the word of the word, all creation was spoken to being. I love that. Jesus brings us understanding and insight into the nature of who God is. He illuminates our minds and our hearts with the things of God. And without Jesus, we can't know God and we remain in darkness. Okay, are you with me so far? So let's go back now to Psalm 1. Okay? Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. What's the first thing that Jesus says in John fourteen six? I am the way, Right? Psalm 1, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The second thing Jesus says is, I am the truth. Now, the law was associated with the truth. What is, uh, verse 3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water 
that yields its fruit in its season and its, li- its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. What do you think of when you think of a tree planted by a stream producing fruit? And what does Jesus say he is in John fourteen six? the last thing? Life, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How awesome is that? Jesus, the word of God, the word of God in the flesh, came and revealed the Father to us. But before he came to us in the flesh, he came to us in the written word. And, and both uh, reveal God to us. The Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus, the word of God, is the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Without Jesus, we can't know God. Without his word, we can't know God. Uh, Psalm 119 reminds us of the absolute centrality of God's word in our lives as followers of Christ. You can't separate God in the word. You can't separate Jesus in the word. You can't, uh, you can't separate God and Jesus, okay? There is no relationship with God apart from a relationship with his word. As our love for his word deepens, our love for God deepens. As our love for God deepens, our desire to know him grows. And and as our desire to know him grows, the more we desire and long for his word in our life. We see that reflected in the verses of Psalm 119. There's a deep passion that rises up in the heart of this psalmist that longs to know God and to be shaped by his word. And so the question that I want to ask you this morning is, what does God's word do to you when you read it? What does God's word do to you when you read it? My wife and I, we just celebrated 10 years uh, of marriage shortly before we went on vacation. And um, before we got married, we courted one another. Um, that's a different message for a different day. But uh, we, we, I was in college down in, in Champaign at the U of I. She was back here living with her folks in, in uh, Washington, going to ICC. And uh, if you were here two weeks ago, you're probably thinking right now, isn't this the same story that Dave told about him and Heather? Um, we pretty much just share stories. Um, no, it, it, it is. It's the same story, but it happened, okay? It happened to me too. And I don't know if it's a pastor thing or uh, like if you do this in college that you'll become a pastor. So I just, you know, word to, to you students and, and college students, just be careful who you're writing letters to, okay? And, uh, or just be careful about writing letters in general. Um, it's, it's a story that I want to tell. And, and look, I'm not here to, to one-up Dave's story. Okay, that's his to tell. This is mine to tell. It happened to both of us. Um, but, but here's why I want to tell it, okay? In my life, there is no greater example on earth of God's unconditional love, his grace, his patience, his forgiveness than, uh, for me than the way it, was dis- it is and was and continues to be displayed through my wife. And so I'm going to use her as an example, and this is the story I'm going to tell because uh, it, I think it helps me understand how uh, my heart can long for the words of another. And, and, and I pray that as, even as this little story gets shared, that, that uh, God is, is speaking to your heart and drawing you to long for his words, okay? So when we were in college, we wrote notes to each other. Sometimes they'd be on cards, and, and they'd just be little notes of encouragement. Sometimes, uh, most of the time, though, they would be these multi-page letters. And, and, and like Dave, when, when he would go to his mailbox and look for one for, from Heather and open it up and just kind of pour over it, uh, I would go to my mailbox, and I would open it up, and I would, I would pour over it, and I would uh, just, just look at and study her handwriting and just imagine her sitting there writing to me. 
all lovey-dovey, you know, and, and uh, just we shared uh, our, our hearts with one another. We, we talked about how God was changing us. We talked about our passions and our hopes and our future dreams, and, and, and uh, we encouraged one another. We had uh, this chance to get to know one another through words and fall in love with each other's character. And it got to the point to where I literally, on a day uh, where, when the mail came, that I was, I was hungry and I was longing to hear from her. Shouldn't we have that same, if not more, of a desire? Shouldn't we have a greater longing for the words of God, the, 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 the words that he's given to us, right? He's, he's written us a multi-page letter. Shouldn't we long for that in our lives? Shouldn't we want that? And, and crave that? How often do we fall short of that longing? Can I just be honest with you for a second and tell you that my, my zeal and my passion for God and his word uh, does not always uh, meet God's expectations. It, it, it's not always uh, fully functional, okay? There's times where, where I've, I've had in my life where um, my first desire when I get up is not to pour over God's word. It's not to get to know him better. It's, it's to sit with a bowl of cereal in front of the TV and watch an episode of Sports Center for like three hours straight, okay? Are you, are you with me? Yeah? Or maybe you're there right now. Maybe that's, you're like, man, I'm missing, you know, whatever. I don't, not, there's no good sports on right now, so it's not, doesn't worry. Don't worry, okay? Um, but, but maybe you're there. Maybe, maybe it's not Sports Center for you, though. Maybe it's Netflix, or maybe it's um, Facebook, or Pinterest, or a fiction novel. Maybe you just love to read uh, everything else but the Bible. Uh, or maybe it's the latest news or, or stock market numbers. I don't know what it is for you. You know what it is for you. You, you can call it what, what it is. But here's the question, okay? Does God's word fall behind anything else that you put into your mind and heart? Does God's word fall behind anything else that you put into your mind and heart? If you do read your Bible regularly, have you ever found yourself reading it to kind of check it off your list so that you can get to the thing that you really want to do? Right? Have you been there? I've been there too. Uh, and I wonder, why is it that we have such a hard time anticipating God and such an easy time uh, looking forward to all of the other things that fill our mind and our hearts? And I think it, that we fail to allow God to, uh, to draw us to him, to stir something up in us is when we fail to see what his word really is, okay? Uh, a lot of, uh, one view is, is that it is a guidebook for us and how to live. And yes, that's true. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But the path that it leads us on is, is to the loving arms and the, and the feet of God the Father, to a relationship with our Creator. The author of Psalm 119 wasn't simply in love with God's laws. He was in love with, the, with God because of His laws and His precepts and His testimonies and all the other terms that he used. The passion in this psalmist's heart wasn't primarily for the, to, to follow the rules. The passion was, uh, that would have made him a Pharisee. The passion was for God himself because the word revealed God to him. And when we view God's word more as an instruction manual than a love letter to us, uh, we fail to see its true purpose. We fail. It becomes more about information and actions 
and less about a relationship. And as Christians, then, we focus more on the things that we need to do for God. This is what you said. That we need to do things for God instead of simply letting his word soak into our minds and our hearts and draw us to him into a deeper relationship with him and, and, and be with him. Tell me something. Apart from the Holy Spirit, what else? What else has the capacity to stir our hearts toward God the way his word does? What else has the capacity to fill us with joy the way his word does? What else can comfort us and bring us peace in the midst of trials the way his word does? What else has the power to give us hope that this world is not uh, the way it's going to be one day, the way his word does? What else reveals the very depth of God's love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness for you and me the way his word does. My wife can't even compete with that. Nothing and no one else comes even close to revealing God to us the way his word does. And he's given us his spirit to help understand it, to draw us to him, to long for him as we get that word in us. The word is designed to reveal the heart of God to his people and to draw them to himself so that he will be glorified by a relationship with him. Jesus, the word in the flesh, came and died for our sins and he rose again so that we could have eternal life. But ultimately, the purpose behind that was not simply for us. It was for God to be glorified because it would bring us back to our creator in a relationship with him. Jesus was the divine nature and the character of God put into human form. Not so that God could see who we are, but so we could see who he is. The fullness of his wrath and love. This is something that we can't understand or comprehend completely as humans, but it was made comprehensible for us on the cross when Jesus died. And then he rose again. Uh, Three days later, he ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And now 2,000 years later, we don't have Jesus in the flesh to come and reveal God to us. We have his spirit and we have his word. And so as a follower of Christ, that Holy Spirit inside you, it longs to be in community with God the Father. So how do we as believers, as followers of Jesus, how do we line our hearts up with the heart of the Spirit? Romans 6.19 says, Just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Simply put, the same passion and the same uh, uh, fire and, and, and drive that you had to chase the things that were once sinful in your life, take all of that passion, take all of that drive and turn it towards God and chase after Him instead. So does that mean that we just start doing all the things that the Bible tells us to and we'll grow deeper? No. The Pharisees did that and they missed out completely on a relationship with their creator, even in the midst of him standing there looking them in the eye. They missed it. Think about the ways that you used to chase after sin. For my former sin of choice, I would stay up late Uh, I would lose sleep for it. I would give it priority over my other relationships. I sacrificed time for it. I would spend hours immersed in it. I had an intimate relationship with my sin. Paul says in Romans 6 that we should take that same passion and, and, and zeal that we once had for our sin and fix it on God. 
And so how are you chasing after God? Which, what are you chasing after? Maybe that's the question to ask first. And if it's not God, think about the, the passion and the zeal that you're chasing after this thing and turn that towards God. Are you just trying to be obedient to his commands or are you letting his word drive you passionately to him? Psalm 119, 92 and 93 says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Verse 111 and 112, Your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Paul, the apostle, lived out his advice in Romans 6. Uh, and took the zeal that he once had for his sin, and he turned it into a zeal, a full-on pursuit of God. He went from persecuting and killing um, believers because they believed in Jesus to being persecuted and killed because he believed and followed Jesus. He found joy in the life, uh, in the life of following God to the very end, like it just said in verse 111 and 112 of Psalm 119, and he encouraged others to be driven by a passion for the word. Listen to what he says in his final letter to Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the judge, who is to judge, (coughs) excuse me, the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming. When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Listen, no one in their right mind would ever die simply for a set of rules. To do so would be foolish. The race that Paul finished wasn't his pursuit of perfect execution of all of God's laws. It was his relentless pursuit of Jesus. Paul didn't die for a set of rules. He died for a relationship. We have, uh, when we have a genuine love for God's word, it'll lead us to a genuine relationship with God himself, one that will ultimately uh, make us willing to lay down our own lives for. That's the kind of passion and that's the kind of zeal that God wants from us. I believe that today we're living in a time that's reflective of what Paul's saying here in 2 Timothy, where people pull other uh, people to themselves and, and, and people that will tell them what they want to hear. And that the, that the truth, that the word is getting 
uh, neglected. It's getting forgotten. The greatest commandment that we are to follow as believers in Christ is to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. The world tells us to love ourselves first. The Word tells us to love God first. So how do we do that? Well, it's by fixing our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength on sound doctrine, on His Word. Let it draw you to Him. Listen to Psalm 119, 9 through 16, one more time. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to what? Your Word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts, fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The NIV says, I will not neglect your word. We need to store God's word up in our hearts. If we forget God's word, we lose sight of who God is. And we start to let the words of this world mold and shape us. You're going to be shaped by words one way or another. Will it be God's word or will it be the world's word? Proverbs twenty-two seventeen through 19 says, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. If all of them are ready on your lips, that your trust may be in the Lord. Psalm 37, 30, and 31. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Get God's word in you. It will lead you to a deeper love for him and a faith that's able to stand in his deep love for you. Some of you right now, you're thinking, I don't even know where to start. I don't know. I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't have any of it memorized. Uh, I don't understand it all. I didn't go to seminary. Um, I didn't either. And, and that I may have just lost some credibility with some of you, but um, I, I love what God's word says. In Psalm 119, 130, it says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to open up God's word and know more about God. James 1, 5 promises wisdom for those who ask it and believe in it. God has gone to great lengths to reveal who he is to us because he longs for a relationship with you and me. So much so that he sent his son to die for it. He's not going to hide from those who are truly seeking him. Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, find, er, uh, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And for the one who knocks, the door will be opened. How different would your view of life be if you spent less time on Facebook and more time with your face in the book? right? Oh, I got a better response out of you guys than first service. I have a couple more, okay? Uh, what, What if when we wanted to know something about something, if our first instinct wasn't to Google it, but it was to Bible it, right? What if instead of, uh, uh, 
spending hours on Pinterest collecting things that reflect you and your interests. And here it is. You ready? You put the pin to rest. See what I did there? Ah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think you guys are smarter than the first service. Maybe. I got a lot of blank uh, stares, or maybe they just didn't like my jokes. Um, look, I can't, I can't stand up here and give a message without some planned words, okay, if you know me. Um, but seriously, how much better? How much better would you know God? How much more uh, would, you, would your love for him grow? How much deeper would you go in your relationship with him if we did, like uh, Lydia was saying, and put down some of those things that are distracting us that we're filling our minds and hearts with first? I'm not saying that you can't be on Facebook. I'm not saying that you can't go Google something or, or spend some time on Pinterest. But when those things take precedence or priority over God and his word in your life, then they become a distraction to your relationship with him. And you lose out on getting to know the God who created you. Those, are, those things, when they, when they get in our way, they keep us from loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. When we do that, we have no room to love anything else in the same way. So do you love God? And, and many of you in here would say yes. And so then my next question is, do you love his word? Do you love his word? If your answer is yes, praise God. I'm thankful that, that there are people in this church who are growing because of God's word. It is paramount to who we are as believers in Christ. If that answer is no, then I want to encourage you uh, and challenge you to open it up this week and ask God to reveal himself to you because he will. Maybe if, if you're um, in here and you've never uh, surrendered your life to Christ, maybe it's an authority thing first for you and you need to give your life to Christ. You need to go the, the other 5% like Hunter was talking about, and, and give it all away and let it go. Maybe that's you this morning. If that's you, I want to encourage you to come see me or Pastor Dave or somebody on the prayer response team that will be up here after the service, one of our elders, the person that brought you, and, and talk about what that looks like to surrender and to give your heart over to God. It's a daily uh, thing that we lay down our lives and that we surrender to God fully each and every day. Uh, if, if you are a believer, you're a follower of Jesus in here, and um, you just are, are struggling to get into his word, I want to encourage you, if you're not already trying to or, or jumping in, uh, to join us in our Summer in the Psalms reading plan as we teach through this series this summer. You can get it on our website or back there at the Guest Connection Center. If you're a parent in here and you have a student in Hype, we're going through the book of John together, and, uh, and I want to encourage you to join in with that. There's a reading plan um, that I can get for you. There's a link to it on our Hype Facebook page. Um, but get in the Word. Get the Word in you. Allow God to show you who He is. Invite somebody else in your journey together and learn about God together. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If we do this together, man, we'll grow. And we'll get to know the God who created us and loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. That if we believe in him, we will have everlasting life in a relationship, a perfect relationship with our God, the Father.
We cannot have that kind of relationship that God created us to have with him with, uh, without his word. We can't have a relationship with God apart from his word. It's more than just a roadmap for our lives. It reveals the very nature of who God is to us and draws our hearts to him. So may we store his word up in our hearts. May we meditate on his precepts. May we fix our eyes on his ways and delight in his statutes. And may we not forget or neglect his word. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so thankful, Lord, that you've given us this book of your words, this, this, this letter, multi-page letter to us, your people, to reveal yourself to us. Lord, I pray that you would put a longing in our hearts, that it would line up with the longing of the spirit that's inside of us to know you better, and that you would drive us to your word, to understand you, to know you, to love you deeper. And out of that, God, that, that we would serve you Out of that, we would fulfill your commands because we love you deeply. Give us a heart for your word. Lord, I pray for this week as we go through VBS, as it starts tonight, I pray for the the kids and and the leaders and the volunteers and everyone, the parents that come. I pray, God, that your word would be central this week. I pray that, that even at a young age that kids would get your word in their hearts so that when they grow older, they won't turn from it. I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself to us this week in a powerful way. We love you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys if, if it's okay, if you have time um, to help us. We are starting VBS tonight, and we need to clear these chairs out. So if anybody that can stay and help just stack some of these chairs, we're going to put some back there by the guest connections, and then we're going to put some up in this room over here. Um, If you could help us out, that'd be great. Meet somebody new before you leave, and uh, thanks for coming.